Lord today on this beautiful Sunday. Let's stand together as we begin our time of worship together. Blessed be the name of the Lord.
Amen. Please bow with me in prayer. Dear Father, thank you so much for how awesome and wonderful you are, for how much you love us. Lord, we did not deserve the love and the care and the mercy that you give to us, but we do say, blessed be the Lord God Almighty. We thank you for your, your graciousness toward this church. And Lord, we, we humbly ask that you would prepare our hearts today to be completely focused on you, uh, to recognize uh, your awesomeness, your, your wonder, uh, and just the wonderful love that you have. Lord, we're just a week away from celebrating the resurrection, but we continue to celebrate that resurrection, the fact that you died for us and that you are living now. Lord, in this next hour, we pray that our worship will be a a sweet aroma to you. Lord, we pray that our worship would would come to your ears, and uh, Lord, that you would be pleased uh, with our efforts and our uh, devotion and our adoration of you. Lord, we pray that your spirit would be in this place, that your spirit would be with Pastor Danny as he shares today. And Lord, we pray again that you would uh, soften our hearts and let us hear a message just especially for us. We love you and we pray these things in your name. Amen. I'm so glad if you'd like to be seated, you can. Uh, I wanted to make one little note. Uh, I accidentally, I think, put that we would have children's worship in both services Uh, So I'm hoping there are no kids here that are expecting to go to children's worship this morning. It's actually going to be at our 11 o'clock service. We are offering that now at 11 o'clock, so we're happy to be able to do that, but I wanted to let you know that. Also, if you are are just happen to be a guest with us today, then we are so glad that you are here. Uh, We always love to see uh, new faces, and I want to let you know there's a guest card in the pew pocket right in front of you. Uh, we would ask that you fill that out. That lets us know a little bit about you and uh, the folks that come. We want to be able to pray for you and uh, just to remember you. And so we ask you to do that. Also, we know that there are concerns in the in the, the body and uh, and just in your own personal life at times. And uh, there's a place on the back for, for prayer requests. And you can write that down and uh, just drop this in one of the donation uh, boxes outside or, or hand it to Pastor Danny later if you'd like. Uh, and we will make sure to pray for you. But we're so glad you're here today, and we will continue in worship. Let's continue worshiping, standing on the promises. I'll let you sit for the first couple of verses, okay? And then I'll ask you to stand, all right? (laughs) Standing on the promises of Christ like me.
nothing compares to the promise I have. Nothing compares to the promise I have. Oh, nothing compares to the promise I have in you. Let's pray, Father. Nothing compares to the promise that we have in you. And Father, we stand on those promises as we've sung this morning. And Father, we thank you for the showers of blessing that you've showered upon us all. And Father, when we sing about the blessed name of the Lord, Father, we, we lift your name high in this place today. Mountains bow down and the seas will roar at the sound of your name. Father, bless our time today as we worship you. Our prayer is that you've been pleased with our worship this morning. And Father, may it not just be this day and this hour, but Father, may it be every day, every hour that we have a sense of worship to you. Father, we lift up our pastor as he comes now to share with us the words that you've put on his heart to share with us today. Be with him. Give him boldness in his speech as he proclaims your word today. We pray for those that are not able to be with us today. We pray for those that are sick, those that are still grieving at loss of loved ones. In recent days and weeks, Father, we we pray for them. Father, let our church be a light in this community for you. Father, use us for your glory, for your kingdom. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. God bless you and thank you so much for being here. I've had the chance to greet some of you in person this morning and others I didn't make it to you, so it's good to see you today. Um, I did notice that um, Brother Steve stopped short today because I, apparently I went long last Sunday, right? And uh, But no, we are fresh off of Easter. Uh, we are still celebrating, as Jeff um, wonderfully said to us, that Jesus Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. And, and we do that every Sunday. Every Sunday is a celebration of the resurrection of our Lord. Um, if you did not see it in your notes, we had 822 people with us last Sunday in worship. And so it was a great day to be here on Resurrection Day. And so many of your families got to come. And I was so thankful thankful for that. I want to begin today with one of my favorite jokes of all time. It's about a pastor. He was brand new to a church. It was one of his very first Sundays in that congregation, and he stands up and he says this. He said, brothers and sisters, if this church is going to be what God desires, she's got to walk. And the people responded back, let her walk, preacher, let her walk. And then he said, if this church is going to be all that God desires, she needs to run. And the church said, let her run, preacher, let her run. And he said, and if this church is going to be all that God desires, she's got to fly. Let her fly, preacher, let her fly, they said. And then he said, and if she's going to fly, it's going to take money. And the people said, let her walk, preacher, let her walk. Now, we can laugh at that today. 
<laughs> and I love that joke every time I tell it. We can laugh, but you know, the truth is many pastors and churches avoid the topic of money and stewardship like it's the plague. They are actually taught many times, this may shock some of you, but there are modern church gurus now who are telling preachers and pastors across this country to not talk about money or stewardship at all. And I need to confess to you today that I find that very strange since one-third of the parables that Jesus taught are about stewardship and dealing with money. And, and so I love the topic. As your pastor, I don't talk about it too much, I don't think, but I have chosen to talk about it. I pray appropriately as God leads us to deal with it. And so because we're a church that is filled with financial planners, because we're a church that's filled with bankers, because we're a church that's filled with stockbrokers and money managers and CPAs and all kinds of men and women who are constantly giving financial advice, how would you like the free counsel today of a man recognized the world over as one of the richest, most successful, and wisest men who has ever lived? This particular man wrote the book, they might say, on international commerce. In fact, of him, it was said this, God gave him wisdom and exceedingly great understanding and largeness of heart like the sand on the seashore. You say, Pastor, I'm ready. What's his name, folks? His name is Solomon, and today we get to listen to his counsel on wise money management. Aren't you excited? Say amen. Take your Bibles today and go with me to Proverbs chapter 3, verses 9 and 10. We get to hear Solomon's wisdom. Let's stand together, church family, as we honor the reading of God's word today. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 9 and 10. Here's how it reads. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops, And then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. Let's read it again because this needs to sink in. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops, and then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. Church family, may we hear God today, but more importantly, right, may we obey him. God bless you. You may be seated. Now, I want to start this morning by, I love starting with a phrase that really centers us. And the sentence I want to offer you today, I think, is attention-getting. Because it's, it's revealing in ways that we oftentimes don't think of. It's going to speak to our spiritual maturity. It's going to speak to where we really are with Jesus. And we're going to be surprised at how it lines it out. Here's the simple sentence. Our finances generally mark the position of our own spiritual pilgrimage. In other words, we're no further along with Jesus than the point in which we learn to trust him with our money. Now, in the church and in society, there are a lot of good questions that really float around about money and stewardship. One of those is, how can I afford to return one-tenth of my income to God? Another one is, how much should I really give? How much am I expected to give? And then really just the overview, what does God expect of me and my money? And those are all great questions. Today we're going to deal with four separate questions that I think encompass those. But we're going to walk through four questions because we have a significant day on our hands. 
We have a very valuable day. Actually, in my notes, I have right here, Note Burning Day. Folks, this is a huge day in our church. If you're new to our church, you may not know what God has done among us and the journey we've been on. Do you know that First Baptist Church has walked a journey to pay off a note totaling $3.25 million? God is good. When I got to this church, we were right in the middle of that thing. We were right launching into it. And our finance committees um, all across, our budget committees, uh, we have stayed the course and really tried to challenge our people. And so I think this is not only a monumental occurrence in the life of our church, I think it's a historic occurrence. What God has done here and, and the provision he's provided and the faithfulness of the people, it's something that we need to talk about today. And so that's why I've chosen this topic on this day, because this is Note Burning Sunday. Somebody please say amen to that. Now, tonight we're going to burn that note. And I'm going to tell you right now, Miss Becky said several weeks ago we're going to do it in the fellowship hall. We're not. We're going to do it right here in the sanctuary, folks. We're going to set the sanctuary on fire. Not really, not really. We've already done that before. We're not going to do that now again. But we are going to burn the note right here. I hope you'll be back at six o'clock church conference tonight with the note burning. So here are the four questions we're going to deal with. What's the purpose of my stewardship? What's the product of my stewardship? What's the priority of my stewardship? And what's the promise of my stewardship? Let's fire right in. First question, what's the purpose of my stewardship. And I think the answer to that question is three simple words. It's how our passage starts today. The purpose of your stewardship and mine is to honor the Lord. There's nothing more, there's nothing less. It is the single most important goal in our lives to honor God. And honoring God should be our primary motive in everything that we do. And so the, the, the fear is that sometimes people give for reasons other than honoring the Lord. So what are some wrong purposes that people choose? Well, some people are motivated by guilt. They give because they think they ought to, right? Others are grudge givers. They give because they have to, right? And others give because they think it's some sort of lucky rabbit's foot. They think, oh, if I give to God, then he, he'll, he'll bless me, and so I'll do my little part so God will give me even more, and that's their motive. But the Bible teaches us to be what? Grace givers. We give out of a heart of gratitude and love because we really want to honor God. And the Hebrew word that we translate into our English word honor, it's a wonderful word. It means to be weighted down like a king would be weighted down with a crown and a robe and a train and a scepter and a medallion, to be weighted down. So when we honor God, it means that we weigh him down. We crown him with many crowns as king of kings and lord of lords. You see, we are nothing more than stewards passing through this world. Let's just lay this out. I wrote in my note, 80 years from now, everything you own will be in somebody else's name. Let's be honest. In 30 years from now, everything we own is probably going to be in somebody else's name, right? 80 years ago, what's in your name today? Guess what? It used to be in somebody else's name. So we know this is true. When you entered into this world, you entered it naked without a dime. Not naked, but naked, right? 
You entered it naked without a dime, and you'll leave it the same way. So in reality, let's be honest, do you really own anything? The Bible tends to tell us no. We're simply stewards of that which God has given us during this time. Therefore, it's imperative. It's imperative that we honor God with the things that are on loan from Him. The things that are ours when we're just a passing through. So what's the purpose of our stewardship? Say it together. To honor God. So when you give... When we give, let's let that be our motive to honor God. The second question, what is the product of my stewardship? In other words, we are to honor God with what? Well, a lot of times when we come to this topic, people will dance around and they'll say, well, we honor God with our talents and we honor God with our, with our time. But that's not what Solomon is saying in our passage today. The product of our stewardship, very clearly according to Solomon, is our treasure, right? It's our money. It's our wealth. It's our riches. It's our belongings. It's all of those things. Uh, Think of it like this. Some of us live as if our lives were hotel corridors with room after room. So envision yourself walking down a hotel corridor. And as God walks down that corridor... He sees the family room with the door open. He sees our social room, our work room, our exercise room, our hobby room. All of those rooms, they're they're open to God. We say, come on in, you're welcome here. But when he comes to our possession room, when he comes to our money room, it's as if we've hung a do not disturb sign on the door. So what is one thing, very easy answer, that's prone to dominate or dictate our lives? It's money. Money has the tendency to do that. In fact, the Bible says in 1 Timothy 6.10, the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And we get trapped by the ideas that money is the answer to every problem, but it's not. It's not my answer. It's not your answer at all. Yes, it's good to have things that money can buy, but it's better to have things that money, what, cannot buy. I want to show you how crazy people get about money. A Chicago radio station, WKOX, posed this question. What's the most outrageous thing you would do for $10,000 cash? And this attracted responses from more than 6,000 full-tilt crazies, all right? And they all came out of the woodwork. And eventually the winner was a guy named Jay Gwaltney of Zionsville, Indiana. And here's what he did. He consumed an 11-foot birch sapling, leaves, roots, bark, and all. For the event, he donned a tux, and he dined at a table set elegantly with china, sterling candles, a rose vase, armed with pruning shears. This Indiana State University sophomore began chomping from the top of the tree, and he worked his way down. His only condiment was French dressing for that massive birch leaf salad. It took 18 hours over a period of three days. When it was all over, Gwaltney complained he had an upset stomach. I guess the bark was worse than his bite. You're welcome. People can be crazy, right? When it comes to money. You people in financial management in this room, am I right? People can be crazy when it comes to money. Crazy. 
So how do we honor God with our possessions? I, I want to I say three things. First, we honor God with how we get it. Okay? Some people get wealth in ways that are dishonoring to God. Uh, we also honor God by the way that we guard it. Jesus said in Matthew 16, 19, Do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth. And he said that because many people guard their wealth. In other words, they hoard it. Right? John G. Wendell and his sisters were some of the most miserly people that have ever lived. They received this huge inheritance from their parents, but they spent very little of it, hardly ever spent a dime. They did everything they could to keep the wealth for themselves. Uh, John was able to influence five of his six sisters never to marry so nobody else could get their fingers on it. And they lived in the same house in New York City for 50 years. When the last sister died in 1931, the estate was valued in 1931 at more than $100 million. Her only dress was a dress she made herself and she had worn it for 25 years. The Wendells are an example, right, of people who, who guard their possessions. Friend, God is as concerned with how we guard our wealth as he is with how we get it. He's concerned with how we get it, how we guard it. But we also can honor God, how? In how we give it. We're stewards of God's blessing. And I'm convinced of this, and I'm going to go out on a limb here, but I think it just may be true. I think one day when I stand before God, I don't think he's going to say to me, Pastor Danny, let me see your Bible. If he did, he would see that it's, it's, it's worn. I mean, there's markings all in this thing. I mean, I, I've been all over it, right? I mean, it, it's had to be rebound once. He's not going to ask to see my Bible. I don't think he's going to say, let me see your sermon notes. I don't think he's going to be interested in that. I think he may say this, can I see your checkbook? Because how we give, right, how we've handled that, it tells God a lot about us. He said, where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be also. The, the product of our stewardship is our wealth and our money. Solomon is clearly teaching that, okay? What's the purpose? To honor God. What's the product? Our wealth and our treasure. Third, what's the priority of my stewardship? Go back to Proverbs 3, our passage today. Honor the Lord with your wealth. With what? The first fruits of all your crops. What's the priority? The first fruits. What does that mean? Well, in an agrarian culture like the Israelites lived in, they brought the first fruits of all of their crops to God in order to acknowledge that he was the ultimate owner of the land, right? And so my question is this, should we do less? We shouldn't. You see, the first portion of everything we earn, it should be set aside for God's use. The Old Testament and the New Testament refer to this one-tenth giving as what? The tithe. It's one-tenth of our income. I want you to imagine today that I had a table beside me and on it were ten apples. How many of those apples that God gave to me, how many should I give to him? A bite? A piece? Let's watch the video on the screens. Should be audio. 
Okay, go ahead and cut it. In the video, he picks up the one apple, and he says, most of us have a hard time giving this apple. It's one-tenth. The government already takes enough, right? It's hard for us to give one-tenth, and so what we do, and I think of my granddad sitting with me when I was a child, he always had a, a knife in his pocket, and he would peel apples, and he would give us pieces of it. And that's what the person does in the video, is they pick up the apple and they say, it's hard to give this. So what we do, and he slices off a piece, we just say, God, just, just take this and take this and take this. And, and pretty much it seems like there's not much of the apple left. A majority has been given to you, God, but is, but is that enough? And, and my point out of the video is this, let's choose to give God first, but let's choose to give him the whole apple. Let's choose to give him the whole fruit. Let's choose to give him the first fruits. That's the priority of our stewardship. If we wait until we think we can afford it, and this is a notion that I've heard from a lot of people over my years in ministry, Pastor, I want to give. I'm just not in a place where I can yet. I can't afford it yet. Friend, if we wait till we can afford it, if we wait to, to, to give the first fruits to God and we keep giving the first fruits to ourselves and our own pleasures, guess what? It's never going to happen. If you wait till you can afford it, it's never going to happen. An unknown poet framed it best like this. He said, the groom bent with age leaned over his cane, his steps uncertain needed guiding. While down the church aisle with a warm toothless smile, the bride in a wheelchair came riding. Who is this elderly couple thus wed? We've learned when we quickly explored it that this is that rare most conservative pair who waited till they could afford it. Right? Folks, give to God first. Trust Him by faith. You can't afford not to do it. You can't afford not to do it. I stand before you as a testimony of somebody who early on in our marriage, we could not afford to pay attention. And we decided to start tithing. I didn't do that when I was a student. I wish I had. I was taught to do it, but I didn't. But in my marriage, we did. And since then, every dollar, every tenth of that dollar has gone to God and his work. And God has been so crazy faithful. If he's been that to you, say amen as well. Our purpose is to honor God. Uh, with what? Our wealth and our possession. Uh, of what part of our possessions? The first fruits of all of our possessions. And finally, my favorite part, my favorite question of the day, what's the promise of my stewardship? Well, this is the title of the, of the message today. The title of the message is Full and Overflowing. Because here's the promise in Proverbs 3. So that your barns may be filled to overflowing... And your vats brim over with new wine. So the promise is what? Full and overflowing. And this is a far cry from the haunting call of many today who say, not enough. And we should never forget John chapter 6. 
What an amazing story. For those of you that just went to the Holy Land, you can picture yourselves right there, the church of the multitudes, right? Right down the way, the boy gave his little lunch of loaves and fish. Thousands of people were fed. Twelve basketfuls overflowed and remained full and overflowing. It was supernatural. Guess what? It's still supernatural. I don't know how it works. I just know every single month for decades, it does work. And the Bible repeats it over and over again. If you haven't ever tithed, you ought to give this thing a shot. Because God's going to prove himself faithful and you're going to be blown away. Listen to what the Bible says. Malachi, bring all your tithes into the storehouse. That there may be food in my house. And try me in this. Test me in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will be not enough room to hold it. Jesus said it like this. Give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use it, it will be measured back to you. And then we have the wisest advice ever given on stewardship by the wisest man who's ever lived. He says, honor the Lord with your wealth. With the first fruits of all your crops. And then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. So let's ask the questions. What is the purpose of my stewardship? To honor God. What's the product of my stewardship? Our possessions. What's the priority of our stewardship? The first fruits. What's the promise that he gives us in this stewardship? He'll bless us full to overflowing. So here's my challenge. Here's my prayer. Take him at his word. Trust what he says today and believe his promise. It's true. We're no further.